welcome this morning to Generation Tech, where we bring in multiple generations. Today we have two to talk about technology and how it's changed and what's going on in the world of tech and around tech. And so uh, I'm joined here by my dad, Jack Brinker. How you doing, Dad? Doing good, Todd. Yep, enjoying reading all about the CES stuff. Yeah, CES is happening virtually. I just want to say, for those who are a little confused, too, I changed the Generation Tech introduction theme, so the music that brought brought us in, if you're used to hearing the, the Generation Tech, I'll still use the old theme as the uh, the the music going out at the end of the show. But uh, picked got something that picked up the pace a little bit more. I was playing around with tunes. I don't know that it was great. It may, may change yet again, because I'm not satisfied completely with this. But uh, uh, I know you can't hear it at that end when we're launching the show. But uh, for those who listen to the podcast, um, it's uh, it was different. There was a different sound out there. Okay. So an update. Um, yeah, yeah. Updated that. I've updated um, some of the artwork for the shows as well. So I kind of did that for the uh, Back to the Brink podcast that I do with Aaron after we finish our On the Brink radio show. And uh, although I kept those themes. And for uh, the Generation Tech show, I upgraded the graphics a little bit, and uh, uh, they show up when people run the podcast, as well as changing the theme music around a little bit, just trying to, to you know, make it something a little tighter, a little more professional-looking and sounding. So, you know, doing what <laughs> you can do. So, yeah. um, so this week, you've been sending some links talking about stuff that's going on with uh, CES, now, CES this year is, for those who don't know, it's the Consumer Electronics Show. And usually about 180,000 people descend on Las Vegas and fill up all of the hotels. It's the one show in town that literally fills up the town. Every hotel is booked. Everything is filled up. And they fill up not only the convention center, but usually there's a uh, another convention floor at the Sands that they fill up and spill over into. And so there's lots of stuff going on in town. And, of course, COVID. So this year, it's all virtual. It's all online. Uh, instead of 4,300 different vendors as they had last year, because they were able to pull it off last year just before COVID really hit. It was sort of in the news, but it wasn't a thing yet in January. Um, so this year, they said they have a little over 2,000 vendors that are in the taking part in the online version to see how that goes. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, anyway. So far, anyway, what's your thoughts? You, you should you should say <clears throat> we're veterans of this event. Oh, I yeah. used to I used to drag my son along and uh, maybe sons. I can't remember. Did Tobin came with us? I think once, didn't he? I don't uh, recall. Um, I know you and I did it most of the time, and <clears throat> we we did it a lot with the predecessor to this, or I guess not really necessarily the predecessor, but sort of the the in reality was the predecessor, which was Comdex. Right. Um, right. Which was more focused on computer things, but now electronics computers are now in everything. And so Comdex eventually went away and gave way to what was just used to be the consumer electronics shows where you went to go buy televisions and ovens and things like that. For, and it was a, a trade show for people who owned stores that sold televisions and ovens and, you know, camcorders and things like that. And now it's all just blended into one because everything's a computer. Yeah, everything is electronic anyway, if not a computer. <laughs> Even yeah. cars. Well, has a com- has a computer in it, computer if not multiple in computers yeah. in it, um, and, and not necessarily programmable. Some of them are, and in fact, it's pretty amazing how some people have gone in and spent time and effort, you know, hacking 
the smart chips in coffee pots and things like that. Um, you know, if you're so inclined. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's all about gee whiz at this show, and a lot of this stuff never really makes it to market. But uh, kind of the yeah. biggie this year, uh, the, the words I keep seeing are rolling phones, but that's a terrible uh, moniker. Uh, I prefer to call it stretch screen. You know, in other words, a variable screen, you stretch it out. One, one of them is a scroll, and you grab yeah. it the sides and you pull it out. Others, yeah. uh, you push a button and it gets taller or, or shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're you know, carrying something so, in your pocket that's basically like, like a Tootsie Roll, and it has a little tab on it, and you pull it out like a Venetian blind, and now you have a, not a paper screen, but a a a flexible screen that's on like a, a <clears throat> thicker plastic. So you can see the stuff, but it's not a solid surface for you to then touch type on or deal with because it's floppy. Right. Yeah, that's the important point. There are compromises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last so, year at CES, um, uh, LG uh, showed a television that was basically that. It was like a, a reverse Venetian blind. It sat on the on the on top of a counter, and then it unrolled by pulling it up. There was a, a, me- a mechanized stick that would like lift it up, and so it would pop up. Out, it would unravel. You could watch television. Then you hit a button, and it would ravel, roll back down into the box. Uh, and so, um, you know, actually, I think that's probably a better application of that type of technology. But the idea of having a larger mm-hmm. screen that you can unroll in your hand is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, one of the vendors this year says it's a, they're, they're rollable is going to be in production. Uh, what time of the year? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not sure that it's going to be very successful because the appearance, at least on the, on the display little video here is that it looks like it's a regular phone that gets about maybe an inch higher. You turn it on the side and, and it expands about an inch in one direction. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's going to be a, be a hot thing. Depends, you know, what else comes yeah. with it. That, but anyway, it, it, it may go into production, but I, at yeah. this point, we'll, we'll see. see. What the actual production model looks like versus what these these pre-production systems look like sometimes is not you know there's sometimes a big leap there. The um, yeah. this reminds me of uh, was it two years ago you know they were talking about folding phones and and they said yeah we'll have it in production and they pushed it out into production and Samsung famously then pulled it out of production for a whole year uh, to sort of figure out how to actually do all the things that they said it was going to do and not be a complete mess. Uh, yeah. And those were $2,000 phones. <clears throat> and the folding yeah. phones haven't really caught on yet. So I think, you know, it, if we, until a folding phone becomes commonplace, I don't think you're going to see an unrolling phone become uh, commonplace. But we'll see. I mean, you know, <laughs> see where the technology takes us and whether or not they can make it something that's actually practical. Yeah, it seems to me the big weakness of the uh, uh, rolling phone or stretch phone, whatever you call it, is that. You've got a fairly uh, uh, vulnerable thin piece of screen material that's surely going to be damaged. And, yeah, uh, the, a lot of creases just, in uh, the folding phones that were complained about. <clears throat> yeah, well, uh, so I I don't know. Uh, it's everybody knows that what you'd like to have is something that's uh, like a big tablet whatever you size you prefer but when mm. but then in order to take it with you somehow you'd like to get that in your pocket but not that size yeah you, know? you want to fold so, up or roll up into something that's smaller <clears throat> and pocketable and yet have a big screen when you want it right 
Right. Uh, you know. the, other, the other thing that I didn't see yet, uh, I haven't read about, is uh, <clears throat> other than on other articles uh, for, by, by Apple, who is not an attendee at the CES, they do their own thing, uh, is that they're kind of accelerating their glasses. So if you really want to have a display that uh, if you already wear glasses and you can get one that basically puts a display in front of you only when you want it, but you can see like normal <laughs> when you don't want it there, uh, might might be a competitor to these kind of displays. You know, if, if you let's say you have an Apple phone, not have to have a be a very big phone. They could give you a little tiny box, and then when you want to run it, you just see it right through your glasses. You know. Yeah, yeah, you keep uh, the phone in your pocket, and so you get that, that sort of heads-up display like they have in fighter cockpits mm-hmm. and like some some um, high-end cars have heads-up displays yeah. that can provide so, uh, you with information. So, so all of this is kind of competing to do or to achieve the same result of, of a, pocket, a more pocketable phone but still have lots of uh, good yeah. quality. More information, visual right? More information, information yeah. to you and in, and in a more full and encompassing way than a small device that you have to lift up and walk with your head bent down, which is sort of the image of the, you know, 2000s and the 2020s, right? That's the uh, right, the, right. The, the take with you. <laughs> like <laughs> like in the 90s, girls walked around with all their hair in buns uh, and tied in a knot, and some still do. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the look of the, the 2000s and the 2020s, or the mid-2000s to, to the end of the 2020s, is people walking around with their face looking down. You know, how many times have you been, uh, or well, you wouldn't have because you, you probably don't see it much, but we would go to see your grandkids back when they used to actually go out of their house. You know, they'd go to a performance or a sports thing, and people aren't watching the kid. They're watching the screen on their phone because they're holding their phone up recording the kid, right? Yeah. And right. it's like, right. just put all that garbage away and enjoy the moment. Just a little bit. Yeah, now that we've been talking about displays, then there's the other part of displays that is the what we all call televisions big screen stuff and i mean big uh they even have a hundred fifty thousand dollar uh estimated price i, I don't think it's for sale yeah. but that's you know uh when you want to talk about going to extremes of yeah uh, well size, if you're, size and, and you're lebron james it might be for sale right oh yeah that's true if if they really want to build one for him but anyway uh, there's a lot of uh, experimental stuff shown in that regime as well. Uh, most of the focus seems to be on different display technologies that presumably have uh, some benefits that uh, the most most of us could look one picture or another and not even see the difference in the two. But for the purists, you know, uh, that want yeah. the best, re- regardless whether they see it or not. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I think, um, I mean, there there are some technical reasons why certain technologies work better than others, and usually it has to do with the difference between what is white and what is black on the screen, the brightest brights and the darkest darks, and how right. well you can reproduce those. And, you know, certain technologies like emittive technologies like, um, like the uh, micro-LED and OLEDs, uh, where each little dot is basically its own little light bulb that creates light, uh, can make much better blacks because all I have to do is turn off the lights. Whereas right. things like the LCD TVs, which most of us have, excuse me, the black is it basically the, their their technology is 
uh, what you're looking at is a bunch of shutters that open and close, and and they have filters to to make things either the, you know red, green, or blue, and they have LEDs behind them to light them up, and uh, and so even when their shutters are closed, there's a certain amount of light leakage around that, so the blacks are not really dark and and completely black, and uh, and when you're watching on an HDR television, which more and more um, stuff is out there that becomes a thing and i i think you can, I, mean, I guess what i'm saying is is i think the average person if you were to put them by, side by side could see the difference now the question is you know how much is that difference worth and most people would go well well it's that, not worth the difference between buying a you know uh, a 500 dollars uh 75 inch television on sale or a you know five thousand dollar 75 inch television because it can give me better blacks you know? right yeah, that, that's that's the differentiator, and ultimately, uh, the stuff that gets to market is uh, is something that people can can afford, or they won't bother with the shelf space, you know. And so. Uh, yeah. Well. Oops. Sorry. And and the prices change too. You know, that's the the stuff that's sure. five thousand dollars this year will be two thousand dollars next year, and the year after that, you'll be able to get it at bargain blowouts because they're pushing the next big thing. Right. You know, eight eight K TVs I noticed have been announced. Sony announced eight K televisions. Now, yeah, we four K televisions have become pretty commonplace, but there's still a lot of content that's not even available as four K content. So you're still watching it as HD 1080p on your four K television, much less eight K televisions. And most people don't have enough internet bandwidth to feed eight K data to an eight K television. So at yeah, this that's point. The re- that's the insanity. Unless the whole yeah. system is designed to work together, it's uh, right. You're, yeah, you're, you're now, buying specs, and that's all. <laughs> they did. Um, Fox News did, or Fox Sports did, uh, announce multiple times during their broadcast of the NFL um, uh, Wild Card Weekend that they had 8K cameras recording the game. So if you had an 8K TV and you had access to an 8K feed from Fox two big very big question marks then you could have watched yeah. that in 8k on your 8k tv uh most of us just watched it on a regular tv and went you know is my team winning or is my team losing <laughs> you know? so. yeah where the pipe is is the limiting thing and in fact i don't think we're going to be burying much more cable to feed people now with 5g out there yeah and of course 5 5g is just starting to catch up with cable so I don't know when we'll actually over-the-air broadcast uh, bandwidth that will ever accommodate these things. That may never happen. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's whether or not we have the infrastructure to support 8K video is a big question mark. And the other thing that you need to be aware of, and the, the cable companies are certainly aware of that, and that's part of the reason that, I mean, the cost of putting wires in the ground is very expensive, but the other reason that they're pushing the the wireless is because um, uh, about a decade ago they negotiated some some rules with Congress, and it essentially said that 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 uh, internet service providers who provide wired connections are not allowed to charge you by the megabyte. They can charge you uh, differing price tiers based on the speed at which you throughput, but the number of megabytes that you get are essentially always unlimited if you have a plugged-in connection. If you have a wireless connection, however, they are very much allowed to charge you by the megabyte or the gigabyte or whatever. So when they start switching, when they start telling you, sorry, your wires don't work anymore, you have to switch over to our 5G, 
that's because they'll then be able to tell you, oh, sorry, you hit your limit. You've got to pay extra this month because you've used too much data. And so then you'll be looking at, hey, do I really want that that 8K feed or that 4K feed? Maybe maybe I'll just watch a 480p feed because it uses a lot less data. Right. You right. know, it depends on what you're watching and what kind of TV you have, right? Yep. Yep. So, but um, pres- preserve your cable as long as you can. Of course, they they can always tell take you know business being business. They can shut it off. Say we're not doing that anymore. Right. Well, and that's where I was going with that. It was like at some point they're very much going to say we're not going to maintain that stuff anymore. We're we're not. We don't even have we we don't have those people. We we let them all go. Now they're out maintaining cell towers instead. They're not going to come out and fix the wire. If your wire breaks, switch to five G. You know, I mean, we're not going to fix it. Um, and they'll just put that in their terms of service. You'll get an email saying, we've updated our terms of service, and you'll go, oh, okay, and throw it away because nobody reads the 50,000 pages of legalese garbage. And then eventually when your your, <laughs> your system does die, they'll just go, oh, well, you know, we told you that we weren't going to support that anymore. Here's the option. And it'll be less expensive initially. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get them, hook them first, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll see all kinds of ads. Switch to 5G. You get more for less. And they'll switch us all over and then start yeah. ratcheting the price up. It's like the the, the, the racket of uh, self-storage places. You know, some of these yeah. self-storage places even say your first month is free. And and they always quote you a price that's X amount. But once you get all your crap in there, they know it's really, really hard for you to move every month. Or every, you know, it just the prices keep ratcheting up, ratcheting yep. up, ratcheting up. Yep. At some point, you're looking at your bill going, I'm paying how much to store all my crap over there? When was the last time I wouldn't use any of that stuff? Uh, you know? Drive the, bring the dump truck over here. <laughs> yeah. Do I sound like We're somebody who's spoken up. from some experience here? <laughs> yes, indeed. Holy moly. Yeah. yeah we, when we first started the full timing, I remember we still had some stuff over that wasn't fitting, but we didn't want to get rid of it because it had, you know, family implications and so we right and you couldn't dump it off on any of your children that's right well that's what happened though is the the, the, after a year out on the road and paying these monthly charges we determined that when we get back to california that was where home was was before we went on the road we said we're emptying this bin out hell or high water it either goes to the trash or you know, yeah. hey kids, what would you like? <laughs> oh, what? Oh, yo, let's be honest. You didn't even do that. I came home from work and there was a box sitting on my front step. It was like one time, one time. Good keep this deal, stuff here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we well, would show up at our house and stuff would magically have appeared there, and it was like family stuff that we were now supposed to store. Somehow, I think we should have negotiated a deal and you give it us the storage fees. <laughs> Anyway, you know how many open I, reel tapes I stored for you for however long? I think I've still got them. Open right. reel quarter inch uh, uh, audio tapes. Well, they Neither of us valuable. have had a quarter inch audio tape player, by the way, for multiple decades. But I've got the tapes. <laughs> I've got some live recordings of Peggy Lee that are awesome. Yeah. yeah. It must be treasure, Todd. Probably. <laughs> well, anyway, the one piece that I remember is that Tobin got the cedar chest, which finally now his daughter has after it's been mm-hmm. cleaned up and, and modernized and whatever but yeah we, i cleaned up and oh, modernized it oh right wait well we were all there to at the beginning at least uh yeah but Tobin anyway, came over one weekend and sanded a leg i did it yeah. it's me me and okay. my wife we did it 
<laughs> anyway, yeah, Reagan has it now, and and it's nice that that's still in the family, and that it was you know kind of refurbed so that well, it's this, usable. This, this was this was a uh, a shop project for Grandma's uncle. Right. Yeah, and so she got it, and and we just passed it on. It was family built mm-hmm. uh, cedar chest, and it was not yeah. fancy, but it had a nice yeah. cedar smell and still does. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really believe that that was a kit that you could buy and put together. I don't know how much of it was already pre-cut or how much you had to do or whether it was maybe just a, a uh, blueprints or something that you bought because I have seen other cedar chests like on With, eBay and stuff that look almost exactly the same, like had some of the same hardware and stuff on them. And, yeah, well, uh, well, 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 the the brackets and locks and all that, that was a kit. There's no doubt about right. it. I remember those being in on sale at Lumberyards. So you right. you bought the cedar and then you bought this this thing and it I guess it yeah. probably had the how to build instructions or yeah something. had some blueprints to say here's how you put this thing together and stuff but so I mean so it's a fairly common design if you go looking for you know old uh, handmade cedar chests but anybody who has uh, any wool clothing appreciates a good good cedar chest or cedar planks to uh, place to store well, your stuff because that keeps the well, moths away. It, yeah, the moths, the moths. You hardly, hardly ever think, hear any talk of that anymore, but it used to be a major problem back in my folks' generation. Yeah. I mean, there's there were used to be uh, com- comic strips on the, in the Sunday newspaper about you open up a closet or something and a whole flock of moths flew out, and everybody yep. understood that because they experienced it. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, you know what it is? is I think that there is not a whole lot of clothing that is made out of wool anymore. Yeah, and if it is, yeah. it's very expensive clothing, and it's bought and and you know like I have a an actual cable knit wool sweater made in Scotland that I bought and had it shipped over. I remember when I ordered it online, it was a good deal, and so I ordered it. I'd always wanted one, and three months later, this thing shows up in the middle of the summer. <laughs> it finally shows up because <laughs> they you know I I don't know if they custom made mine or what, but it took forever to get here, and they shipped it overseas on the slowest boat ever. Uh, and yeah, they well, must have brought it across America for, uh, on a on a you know on a donkey or something because it took forever to get here. I love that sweater, but I literally put it in a it's it sits in in a chest of drawers with a cedar plank laying on top of it because there's a part where it got nibbled on. Yeah, if you've ever seen the damage from a moth, then you can appreciate what we're talking about because yeah. it's it's just stunning, especially if you got a whole whole bunch of them which they come yeah. in bunches <laughs> they do they do you know in california it does I, you know it's a dry climate i don't know there's that many of them but they're still around and my my beautiful wool sweater has a spot where it's clearly gotten eaten a little bit and it's like doggone it you know yep. um but uh, but wool has some really really nice properties i mean if you're out in the, in the outdoors and you want to stay warm and dry it's one of the best things i mean it'll it, it's absorbent uh, so mm-hmm. it keeps sweat and water off of you. Uh, it, it dries well, it, um, and, it, and it keeps you warm even when it gets moist. It is, you know, even to this day with all the microfibers and, and man-made stuff, some of the best stuff you can buy is stuff that's just natural wool and good quality wools. And there's a big difference yep. between good wool and bad wool. Bad wool is like wearing sandpaper, and, uh, and good wool is just amazingly soft and cuddly. So, Yep. In fact, I have a, a wool stuffed. Here, here's technology that's not normal technology. Technology for comfortable sleeping. I have an inch thick wool stuffed mattress cover that puts a uh, uh, puts wool between me and my latex um, uh, mattress. 
and provides a, a, a means for air to get in around me that keeps me warm in the winter and cool in the summer um, and makes it for much more comfortable sleeping. And I yeah. uh, did a lot of reading about it and, and came to the conclusion that that was the best way to, to create a comfortable place to sleep is with uh, a layer of wool between me and the mattress. Yeah, you know, uh, stock, speaking of wool, and uh, I remember when, I think it was nylon was the first man-made fiber. Mm-hmm. Uh, nylon and, or and rayon, then, one of them. Ray- rayon, nylon, those two, when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That was back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then uh, since then, we've had a lot of years, and we've had a whole flock of uh, artificial fibers, and they're all right. made of oil. They're all made of oil. Yep. And, and, and the, the climate people are saying, do away with oil. <laughs> you do yeah. away with the ent- entire industry of well, clothing. You know, Here's something. Uh, I'll talk about sleep technology. My sheets, I don't use cotton sheets either. I use rayon sheets made from bamboo. So it's bamboo fiber rayon sheets, and they are incredibly comfortable. It's interesting because when you wash them, they're like stiff and crinkly, but then when you dry them, they fluff out, and they're and they're super super comfortable. Um, and again, they're very cool in the winter, or warm in the winter, and cool in the summer. I just I, I once I discovered these things, I that's the only kind of sheets I will sleep in uh, yeah. if I have my choice. You know, obviously when you're in a hotel or something, you don't get that choice, but that's not a problem these days. Well, so. well your sister Haley and her family are all got new sheets for Christmas. And they mm-hmm. took us into their bedroom and showed us and let us feel these things. And it's made of all artificial uh, fa- fa- fabrics and stuff. And, mm-hmm. oh, it feels so nice and soft. And it doesn't have that sheen like your white, ordinary polyester uh-huh. sheets do. Yeah, but, like the Egyptian cotton sheets. But, you know, on a cold winter night, you can just say, man, this was the way to go. And not only yeah. it wasn't white, it was it was a red plaid like their pajamas so it was now beautiful and to look at too so it was really interesting uh we haven't ordered any yet but i i've been thinking about it It, it, the problem is is you know a set few sets of sheets will last a a lifetime almost uh so we don't really need need any sheets now (laughs) i hate to just throw stuff out just to replace it you know yeah um I really, really like the the bamboo rayon sheets. Although um, I have uh, uh, I have read that there's some some reasons some people don't like them, but to me they're just they were just a absolute step in the right direction. Yeah. Well, mm. technology marches on, and there's always something new and to try and whatever. And uh, we, I think we're becoming such a throwaway society we haven't worked mm-hmm. that problem yet uh not well enough yeah. anyway because the dumps keep growing faster and faster <laughs> and then we put a house on top of them so, that's right uh, bamboo hiding. lyocell is the most eco-friendly material option it's temperature regulating naturally antibacterial and great for those with sensitive skin this is but how, the how long does it how long does it live in the ground does it de- what do they buy? I don't put it in the ground. I put it on my bed. No, no, no. <laughs> when you want to get rid of it now, when you got to dispose of it, see that's the other thing about most of these things. They they're not like cotton. They don't biodegrade because they're not biological products. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this one is. It's like I said. It's derived from bamboo, so it's a okay. you know it's, which be. is a grass. Yeah. And so I don't know about how it 
how it's processed to create it and how it's, uh, uh, you know, how it breaks down to the ground. I haven't read about that. I just care about the fact that these are super comfortable and I sleep better. Yeah, somewhere in the future, <laughs> somebody's going to have to say you have to have a certain content of biodegradable material so all of it comes apart at least. Yeah, uh, when you, there's you know, people out there going to ruin, going to ruin everything for us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's either that or you got to burn it up or, you know, dispose of it in a more expensive way. You know, Europe's had. Uh, uh, a law for a long time, on, I understand, regarding their automobiles. Uh, the one way to deal with environment is, is uh, require the manufacturer to always take their products back. That means yeah, that like you have to take it, disassemble it, and deal with the the crappy old jalopy that the guy turned in, right? That's that's right because they have uh, companies in order to maintain their status in your country. They have to observe your rules, and therefore they're they're sort of a controlled entity. Uh, we've certainly figured out in the last few weeks or months that you can't control the population. Or COVID wouldn't have spread like crazy, uh, uh, because people like their freedoms, and it's more important to them. They'll they'll even risk their lives for it, and. Uh, they, so a lot of governors are, are beginning to cave. I noticed Cuomo is. I don't want to get off on politics too much here, but the fact is is that people don't necessarily follow everything that's told. they're told regardless of the consequences. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know, that's people have minds of their own, yeah, that, that, much that, to the chagrin of people who, it, who are in leadership. It, unfortunately, it's just taken too many people way too long to learn a fundamental rule of life uh, yeah and so uh, i in fact i read an article by cuomo the other day and i thought you know if it hadn't said cuomo if it had been trump it's just sounded just like him <laughs> yeah i thought what the heck yeah it doesn't on? matter which aisle which side of the aisle you sit on when you want people to do what they're told to do and want to be in charge they all sound the same well you see until you start thinking about the economic side of things, which Trump started thinking about that a long time ago. Here, our whole country has gone down the tubes. So he had to, had to absolutely had to say, we got to get back to work, get get our country moving. Well, Cuomo and, and pr pretty soon California, you know, with all the businesses moving out of the state, not, not following their rule either. It's not just people, it's, it's companies and businesses. They've got to thrive. And you can't do that when you're shutting their employees off and all that, shutting their businesses down. Now, small business couldn't resist, but big business walking out of a state's a big deal. You yeah. Know? That's a that's Well, a there's pride. still plenty plenty of big businesses to go around right now. But, uh, yeah, I in, in the radio show this morning, Aaron and I talked about an article from the Wall Street Journal talking about the fact that if you want to get your, um, your uh, vaccine, that you need to move to a state that has small state government like South Dakota or West Virginia, because they are delivering 100% of their delivered vaccines. But apparently all of the larger state governments, particularly California and um, and New York, have put a bunch of rules in place about who, who gets the, the vaccine when, and they've got different tiers. And if, if the doctors or the people delivering the vaccines uh, step outside of those boundaries, then they get a bunch of fines. And so the result is, is that because some people have declined to take the vaccines, that they're actually taking vaccines and throwing them in dumpsters because they can't give them to anybody else without getting fined. And so we have vaccines that are getting thrown away because 
of some government bureaucracy. bureaucracy. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah that's, and that's, that, you know, South Dakota in particular um, started putting together something back in August because they saw vaccines were getting close. And they sat down with all of the medical facilities in the state and said, how do you guys get medicine from one place to another? And they said, oh, well, we've got this system of couriers that we use. And they said, great, we'll use that. And so that's how they're distributing all of their vaccines. California, New York said, hey, we've got these vaccines, so we need to create a bunch of couriers. They never even talked to the, to the medical people. And so now they've got their own system of couriers that are running around with this stuff separately from the original medical couriers that already deliver things like flu vaccine and all the medication to your pharmacies. And, and it's just, it's insane. You know, you know big government doesn't have <laughs> solutions. Well, you know, you know, this takes me back to uh, <clears throat> my days in the military. There was a process in the military for planning things, and there was a requirement as to how you did that. And the requirement that was important is that whenever you had people making plans, there was another group attacking the, those plans. Okay? Right. E equal intelligence on both sides. Yes. So now you gathered automatically because Oppositional of your process. Strategy. Because of your process, <laughs> how, you know, what will work and what won't work. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, anytime you've got a decision maker that doesn't play this kind of a gamemanship for what he wants to do, he's ignorant. He doesn't know what the reaction's going to be until it's too late. You know? Yeah. And a lot of politicians fall into that trap because they don't have yeah. anybody playing opposition to say, yeah. you know, hey, if I was on the other side of this, here's what I'd be doing. And they really need that. I mean, everybody well, you, needs that. You, you need that person yeah. in the room who says, you know, um, just for argument's sake, what if <laughs> you, you I didn't see, play this, that game? This, this kind um, of thing was essential in the military because otherwise mm -hmm. you go out and you lose the battle. and It's all over. You know, there's right. no, chance, no second chance. Recently, they did a, uh, a movie um, about the Battle of Midway, and it actually started with Pearl Harbor and kind of rolls through, has the Doolittle Raid and stuff in the movie. But in one of the scenes, and they tried to make this fairly balanced, understanding what was going on on the Japanese side and what was going on on the American side and how the Japanese felt pressured because Americans were, were blockading their access to raw materials. And so they were trying to be as balanced as they could about this stuff. Um, and in one scene, one of the, there's a planning session going on uh, amongst the Japanese Navy. And one of the junior um, uh, junior officers there who's supposed to be playing the Americans, does mm -hmm. something that was outside the confines of what they had said, the parameters of what the battle were. And he says, well, what if they just go over here? And that then destroys all of the Japanese plans. And he gets a dressing down from his superiors saying, you went outside the constraints of this thing. You're not to do that again. You know, you follow your orders, do what you're told to do. And it just tore the guy a new one. And of course, then in the middle of the Battle of Midway, we discover that the Americans did exactly what the young officer had said. They didn't follow rules of engagement. They did what they thought was the right thing to do, which is what the opposition always is going to do. They're not going to follow rules that you have artificially created. Yeah. And uh, But somehow the upper, the upper echelon in the military there had said, you know, no, they, they won't do this. This is outside the constraints. And so you're not allowed to add that into our, into our process here. And... Yep. It came back and bit him in the butt. Yep. You know? Well, I, I was talking about big overall general strategies oh. and stuff. Oh, and I, I understand. This, this was, this but, was tactical I, planning I, for I, a battle. Well, but, but you see, the military has that, at, as always the objective, is that a commander on the ground 
is the guy responsible for his own unit and their success. So that's right. that takes care of whether you really follow the general plan or you do what's necessary to get, you know, your mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you, the, yeah. The, the guy on the ground's making the decisions about like what are the risks and 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 you know are the risks worth taking in order to accomplish the mission or do we get out of here and save lives or or do we say we're going to have to risk lives because we got to get this done you know and yep. uh, you know that makes sense makes so, sense and, and and you know to to bring it back to tech a little bit um, you know in the tech world the same thing is is. It has to happen. You know, I think that too often, sometimes these decisions that are made by tech companies are, um, you know, made, I don't want to say knee jerk reactions, but there's nobody in the ear of the executives or the, or of the CEO saying, understand the repercussions, understand what the, uh, you know, how this is going to proceed, play that, that advocate side. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it's 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 te- it's political again, but in the technical arena, um, while I was appalled to see what was going on at our nation's capital recently, um, I am equally appalled and concerned that private companies are now uh, deciding who gets a mouthpiece and who doesn't and shutting down uh, political people and 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 access to communication um you know, without any oversight, without anybody saying, you know, I, and and I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done it. You know, I'm not saying that that maybe Parler should have been shut down or that maybe President Trump should have been blocked from tweeting. But that that shouldn't be done by a private entity, that there needs to be another step in there where there's some oversight and saying, yeah, that's the right thing to do um, or that's not the right thing to do. And, it, you know, I mean, maybe that's the role of the judiciary. You know, I don't know all the, I haven't really thought through all the best details of this, but it just, I, it's very concerning to me that a corporation has that much power that they oh, can, yes. that they can shut well, down politicians who dis, who, who say things they disagree with. Ab- absolutely. That's, that's just totally out of control. And big part of the problem has to do with timing. Uh, some people think that they have to react immediately in the emotion of the moment. Emotions are the worst possible conditions under which to make important decisions. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, that's one of, one of the primary reasons that we have a branch of government who is deliberative and is never allowed to be forced to hurry, and that is the judicial branch. Right. In, in fact, yeah. you see... Uh, you you could see this replaying over the entire year as we had uh, various uh, riots uh, in cities and damage and in the millions of dollars taking place uh, because oftentimes uh, people immediately make judgments about uh, one of the deaths. Now some of them were pretty easy to make given. Uh, a knee on the neck for a long time. Yeah, th- there's some okay. video evidence of some pretty egregious behavior. Yeah, but, but um, a lot, a lot of them, there was no evidence at all, and yet people would jump to conclusions and demand justice, instant well, justice. And the worst know? thing is, is that people would post things as if they were fact, and then that would get picked up and repeated in in right. supposedly legitimate news organizations. Um, and and then when you actually find out there's no basis of fact, and when they try to go correct it, it's like. A barely a mention. And so yeah. what sticks in people's mind is this person was, you know, this happened or this, this, that happened when it never happened that way. And, and it was never properly corrected and it was improperly repeated. 
Yeah. You know, and, and that that's on those companies, too. And, and this plays out in any kind of a crisis situation. And I might just uh, mention the let, let's go back to the current thing in the Capitol. Uh, there, there was a whole lot of stories now that you can go out and find uh, other things that says, well, this couldn't have quite happened this way. People have done timeline analysis, you know, of how long it takes to get from the White House up to the Capitol. And there's various people who had taken actions at certain times, and they know exactly when certain incidents have happened. And so we're finally starting fact-gathering to put the pieces together to find the real story, because nobody well, really knows yet until you've got it well, all. Well, and that's why they're they're using video evidence to go and collect up people who, who they right. have video evidence of doing things that were illegal. They're not like going out and trying to round up everybody who was at the rally. Because, uh, you know, there are people walking down the street who thought they were going in to cheer for something or to to make a point. They had no idea that somebody at the front end was going to be taking a two by four and bashing out windows on the Capitol so that they could but crawl the, into the building and, and defecate on people's desks. But but there are also people who got so hot about these whole things that they're ready to go out and uh, uh, threaten everybody that was had any, you know, involvement at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, therein lies a problem, too. You know, you got well, to have I mean, but part yeah, of the reason the parlor got you... shut down, according to Amazon, part of the reason they pulled parlor was because they were seeing way too many conversations about about kill Pence. And mm-hmm. that's unacceptable. You know, so, I mean, on both sides, people are the behavior of people are. Oh, horrid, yeah. Is horrid. It is, that's you know, and and we need to really think about how we want to construct laws that are going to put constraints on online public forums. And, and what we want to do with that, because it needs to be addressed. And I don't care if it means that that company can't quite make money the same way they're making money now. You know, uh, the the you know the marketplaces and 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 legal um, restrictions change all the time. And as a business, you have to figure out a way to to work with that, or you you get hey, pushed that, out of the market by somebody else. It it there is an obvious there is an obvious answer to this, Todd, and that is. Uh, Ambig- ambiguity or uh, no, no no awareness of who is doing what has been the bane of the internet from the get go. There is a, one of the companies, and it starts with an S, I think, that's a social media company out there. They encrypt everything uh, from the sender, and therefore, and they collect data so that you're positively identified as a user. Because right. you're a part of the encryption thing. Yeah, I think that's certainly part of it. I don't think that's all of it, but that's absolutely a part of it. Is that that you know, if you're going to post things publicly, then we have to be able to know who you really are. We, that's we, you correct. can't hide behind well, can't hide behind part, anonymity. But it's but it's but it's part. you know, it well it but but the thing is, there's lots of people who we actually know absolutely know who they are, and they're still inciting violence online. And so yeah. you know, it's not uh, anonymity is not a a panacea. It's part of yeah. what has to happen. Um, the other part is that we need to remove some protections for some of these companies that create platforms for this kind of conversation. And those people have to be held responsible. Since they're editing what's there anyway, um, I think they've abdicated respons- or a- they've accepted responsibility for, uh, for what's on their sites. And, and now we just need to hold them accountable and, and take away any laws that are protecting them from, from, uh, from yeah. legal, legally being held responsible. But, um, you know, and, and I know we've sort of gotten back into tech, but we went way off into a lot of other areas that had nothing to do with tech. So let's talk. Let's try to get back into um, 
some other things that are going on at um, at CES. Um, so um, let's see. We we've talked about uh, uh, rollout tele or rollout phones and uh, 8K televisions. Uh, so well, here's 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 some. I, well, I'm just looking at a whole list of headlines here. Uh, one of the interesting things is. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, over-the-air television, and it says best TV mm. antennas for cord cutters, starting right. at just ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's funny you talk about that. I, in my little shack out back studio here, don't have. Um, I have uh, uh, satellite dish. I, have, I don't have dish. I have Direct TV, but I, I have satellite instead of cable, and to to get the signal from the main unit out to the remote units that are at each of the TVs, it uses a Wi-Fi signal separate from my Wi-Fi network in the house. Mm. I s- essentially sit in a Faraday cage here. I'm in, an, uh, in a metal building. I can't get any signal. I've tried putting a receiver out here, and there's no way to physically plug a wire in to get it. So I don't get any cable out here at all. So I have an over-the-air antenna. And, I, you know, I live in the greater Los Angeles area, right? So I should be able to get all the major sh- channels. Well... I had a little indoor antenna that I was using outdoor, just outside my thing, but I, I was getting two channels, and that was it. So um, I did a little research, and I recently just upgraded to an indoor-outdoor antenna because the other one was sort of melting, having gotten wet, and put it on a pole so it's a little bit up higher so it can now kind of see over my neighbor's TV to point in the correct direction. And I get all of the local channels over the air, and my TV has built-in um, uh, menuing so that I can now pick the channels and see just like on cable or with direct TV, you know, how you get the little menu that shows you what's coming up next on your different channel. I get that exact kind of menu built into my television set and I can now watch HD TV over the airwaves. And it was actually kind of nice. I watched several of the um, NFL playoff games this weekend out here in my shack, which had I not upgraded the antenna, I would not have been able to do. I would have had to go into the house or, you know, some of it I can get streaming, but, um, but like uh, CBS, you can't get streaming unless you subscribe to CBS. So if the game's playing on CBS, you either have to have a subscription to their streaming service or have an antenna. And anyway, uh, the, the reason I brought this up is that I, I'm a firm believer that uh, sometimes low-tech has better solutions than the latest, greatest stuff from uh, mm-hmm. Comdex or uh, not CES is what I meant to say. Uh, it's just that p- people aren't aware of them, you know, and yeah. and, and, it's, and sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, ingenuity and understanding how to hook it up. Yeah, know? stick an antenna up, man. You they've got indoor antennas you can stick on a window, and if it's facing basically the right direction from your window, yeah, you can get lots of free TV and HD quality. Yeah, and did you and know turn off turn off that two hundred dollar cable bill or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and stream the few channels that you that you absolutely have to have that are that are, uh, you know, part of that. Well, Unless of course your cable you know, company is also your internet company, because you know what a lot of them are doing. They're basically if you call them up and say I want to cancel the cable because I just need internet connection, they'll say fine, but you know you got a discount on the internet by because yeah. you also subscribe to cable, and if you do, if you delete the cable, your internet's going to cost you about the same amount as your internet and your cable together. So you might as well just keep it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because they I play understand. those kind of games. Yeah. They play those games. So um, did well, you know that... Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, John Deere yeah. actually won an award at CES this year. I, I saw that name somewhere. I thought I yeah. Anyway. John Deere uh, Tractors. You know what it was for? A robotic no. combine. Oh, yes. Yes, I did know that. In yep, fact, the X-Series combine. I, I, I sent the article to my cousin who's in the farming business. Uh-huh. <laughs> he doesn't he surprise already, me. He Go ahead. He already? Well, he, he already has the air-conditioned cabs and all of that kind of stuff. Right. So I'm not sure robotics. It, well, he, his is guided by GPS, too, back and forth. It turns the right. machine. Right. Yeah, and oh. I'm not sure what this, this does that that one didn't do because, you know, by you doing that, it automatically then charts how to go back and forth up and down the rows and to, to make sure that you're getting maximum yield so yeah um yeah, yeah. so so there's a technology like that that's been out there for some time uh so but anyway uh it it's interesting you know in technologies basically no matter what the business or or that you're in there's some way that it comes in and tries to give you a hand to sell you a product and uh Sometimes a lot of people who aren't aware of it just are amazed just to know that these things are used in, in such a manner. Yeah. Bas- basically, a lot of this uh, combine guidance, which uh, people weren't aware of, has a lot to do with uh, the pr- approaches being taken now to uh, automatically drive cars, you know, the autonomous vehicles. Sure. Yeah, all that uh, stuff applies in both places, right? Yeah. Uh, the, so the, um, the, 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 it just depends where you're going to drive the cars. You know, if you're going to right. drive them in a city yeah. in a, a local area, you take a different approach than when you're yeah. out on a well, you say, in, Yeah, you shouldn't say cars. You just say vehicles, right? Vehicles, drive the vehicle right. because because it's cars, it's it's big semi trucks, and it's combines. You yep. know. Although I know a lot of the cars are using like um, uh, video imagery of like you know, stripes and stuff on the road to give them additional information about where you're supposed to position the vehicle. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. they don't have stripes on the road out in the field. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got to have some pretty accurate GPS. And for people who think that, you know, farmers are just a bunch of hicks, they don't they don't understand the level of technology <laughs> that goes into uh, into creating the food that we all eat and, and, and growing it and harvesting it and uh, at, the, yeah. you know, the, the level of commercial work that's being done. And technical work, and these harvesters are giant machines. Uh, oh, you know. oh, yeah. And and when I was a kid, they cost one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand, and those same machines are million dollar machines today. Yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't know that. And and you say, oh, how can a farmer afford that? Farmers never afford what they do. They take a loan from the bank, and the you know, and then when that one's up, then they take another one. So yeah. they're working. They're like a corporation. They're working on stockholder money. Yeah. You know? Well, essentially, they are a corporation in a lot of these places. You know, a lot yeah. of the farms are, are you know, the farmers are now employees of Cargill or big, you know, other big corporations that, uh, that uh, right. you know, but it, but run it everything. With, it, it all started with financing from the banks in the local com- mm-hmm. community. Every, yeah. every farmer I ever knew was a banker's best friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you get paid when the, when the crop comes in, right? Yeah. And and those bankers, yeah. just like bankers elsewhere, they understood agriculture and knew what kind of risks they were taking. You yep. know. And if you were yeah. a lousy farmer and you had ten crop failures in a row, you just probably had a tough time getting some money for to go on, you know? <laughs> that yeah. happened. Yeah, too. yeah. You you can't get a loan if you can't grow grow whatever it is you're trying to grow, right? 
Yeah. So, and that's why there's always a risk, right? It's like everybody's growing wheat. Well, I guess I better grow wheat. If you decide you're going to grow something else, man, you better be trustworthy. The bank's going to look at you sideways and go, what do you mean you're growing grass seed? Um, that's right. You know, but, I, but you go we, like, hey, yeah. I got a plan. That was my dad. He yep. was always out doing the something different. Yeah. He said, uh, you know, I got to I got to control my own destiny. Yep. Yeah, and you're not going to do that by doing the same thing every other guy's doing. Right. Right? You got to figure out, well, what's the next thing? Don't do what the thing is now, do the next thing now. Be ahead of the yeah. curve. Um, but there's a certain amount of risk in that. You know? Oh yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting stuff, interesting stuff and a lot of technology in that world which, that which, that which, most of which us just by, take for granted. Yeah, which which by the way led my dad to doing other things. He was a welder and he invented his own uh farm equipment. He had, yeah. he, he had patents for the uh treader machine which was after you uh initially till ground, uh depends how you till it, but somebody had come out with these blades to undercut the soil and leave the mulch on top, which was necessary to avoid erosion out in the windy Kansas farm. And so, uh, but the problem was, is if you went in with your normal equipment like harrows and stuff, they all got jammed up with all that stuff you left on top. Well, he found a way to stir it in with the soil, but still leave it there uh, with his invention. Another That's invention. That's right. He- in fact, uh- my daughter went and found uh, a copy of that patent and printed it out and framed it for you. Yes, yes. Of your, and, of your dad's patent. I've got a copy of it as well, and she does too. She's got one. It's in her kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and so, another, uh, one, another one that was equally good, maybe even better, and he never patented it. But he modified a cleaner for grass seeds. And grass seeds, depending on what kind of grasses you're talking about, are all different. I mean, really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you had to clean you had to clean them, otherwise you'd get, you know, eighty, ninety Too much percent chaff trash and dirt your, and you know, and yeah. you didn't know what you were planting. So you so you wanted to have about ninety five to a hundred percent pure live seed. Of course you never got a hundred percent, but his right. tested out about ninety eight percent pure live seed in two major types of seeds that were totally unrelated and didn't even look like the same thing. One of them it was so slick People uh, likened it to flax. Uh, I've never stepped in a uh, truckload of flax, but I have in switchgrass. They were the tiniest little things, and you immediately went to the bottom. I mean, unlike a wheat, we were wheat farmers, and you'd sit, stand in a truck, and you'd, you'd go down in it, of course, but they were fairly large grains. Uh, but, but it's just really stunning for somebody who's a wheat farmer to now... Uh, crawl up into a bed of of uh, switchgrass seed, and mm-hmm. go to the bottom. You know, I mean, gee, it was just so amazing you just couldn't believe it. And and then this other grass we raised was called um, Indian grass, and yeah. it was like a bunch of fluff. I mean, you know, you know what dandelion seeds look like when they blow in the wind. Sure, that that's kind of akin to Indian grass, right? Sort of. It's it's so it's um, just. Just to but fill just in to some blanks, you... that was the Wakanda Seed Company, or at least parts of that were. And uh, our our uh, podcasts are on the Wakanda Broadcasting Company, named after the Wakanda Seed Company. And we use the actual hand-drawn logo from the original Wakanda Seed Company for the Wakanda Broadcasting Company. You can go to wakandabroadcasting.com. Yeah, Wakanda got its name 
from uh, at the time the Great Spirit Springs in what, what actually had a Wakanda address, a post office mm -hmm. uh, near Parker City, Kansas, which has the largest sisal twine, a ball of sisal twine. But anyway, uh, for from back in the 1800s, there was this uh, area, this spring, mm -hmm. that came out. Wakanda and Springs. It, it, the interesting thing about the springs, it, a lot of tourists came by. It was up by the highway, the big sign, and people would pull over and read the board. And it says, only a mile south. Let's drive down there and take a look at it. And I remember as a kid seeing crowds of people, the parking lots full of cars, uh, just to see a spring. Now, you say, well, what's to see? Well, it turns out that there's a pond that's about, oh, uh, 40 yards across, diameter maybe, 30 to 40 yards. I, I, it's hard that for me to remember exactly. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a little bit big, 20 yards maybe. But anyway, it and it was crystal clear and it looked like you're looking into a lake that you can see clear down to the bottom well they mm -hmm. actually put a diver in there at one time with a with a deep sea suit you know with a helmet on that mm -hmm. had to be put down over the person's head and there's photos of that still available uh to find out how deep it was well he never did get to the bottom they they wow and yet you could see the bottom like the reason they couldn't get clear. to the bottom well, you could see the bottom around the edges, but he went down, you know, as far as he could mm. find go, going down into the middle. And the reason right. he couldn't find the bottom was because the cords, uh, the oxygen and all to keep him alive, had a length to it, and he ran out of cord. <laughs> so right. as far, he went as far as he could go, you know. Now, yeah. we, know it, we know it went very low because somehow it was connected to the oceans in the sense that it rose and fell with the tides the moon affected the the water level and where else do you find that happen i i've never seen a lake out in the middle of the country that rose and fell with a i don't either but i i find it really really hard to believe that that lake was connected to the oceans was it salt water yes very salty so, it, so a salt water lake in the middle of kansas yes that had tides that had tides well it didn't have tides it had, it, it had, well, uh, it, 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 right. I mean, a tide can be, well, you know, yeah, a, a I millimeter. I guess you're right. I, I, I mean, guess it you're rises right. I was, and lowers. That's, that's tides. I, my mind went berserk there. I was thinking of uh, waves, not tides. Oh, right. Yeah. It had tides. Well, I mean, if somebody splashes in the pool and it's going <laughs> to, in the pond, <laughs> then it's going to have waves too. But yeah. Uh, yeah, interesting. Hey, I've got some um, breaking news. Just read this. So, um, so this morning on CBS, Tim Cook was interviewed on CBS, and they talked to him about the banning of of uh, Parler, and uh, he says, you know, uh, I, I didn't uh, essentially that I this wasn't what I intended to come here. This was an interview that was scheduled previously because uh, there's a big announcement that Apple is going to make tomorrow. It's not a new product. Um, it's something bigger and better than that this is a this is a quote from tim tim cook uh so so they did the interview and they did it at an apple store and at his, at his headquarters and he agreed to answer other questions but that wasn't the purpose of the interview what we're going to tell you about tomorrow is very exciting and then no further information on apple's announcement has been made available 
Huh. And he, and he said that as in response to something about Parler. I didn't get to connect. No, no, no. So so he had previously scheduled this this interview on CBS to to I don't know. I guess it sounds like they were going to pre-announce the announcement or to tell people they were going to make this announcement tomorrow. But then he didn't tell us what the announcement was, but then he had agreed to answer some other questions. And, of course, all the questions were about Parler and about banning of software and that kind of stuff. And so um, and and he basically was saying, well, you know, I wasn't here to talk about that. But, you know, here's briefly what our our positions on these things. But uh, that wasn't the purpose of the interview. We're going what we're going to tell you tomorrow is very exactly. So get everybody to tune in tomorrow. Right. Right. Same bat time, same bat channel. Right. Create but, the audience. Uh, he does, they do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, every time they're going to have a, um, you know, any kind of announcement. Uh, announcement or something, they usually do it a week in advance because they, they want the their news people to have an opportunity to travel. But I guess in this time of COVID, nobody's traveling, so don't do it a week in advance. Just the day before, say, hey, tomorrow, everybody beware, be ready. We're going to make an announcement. But it's very interesting right. to say it's not a product. It's not a new product, we should say. Uh, yeah, here it says, it's not a new product. We should say, it's not a new product. It's something bigger and better than that. What we're going to tell you to, about tomorrow is very exciting. That's what That was the quote from, from Tim Cook. No speculation yet. Hmm? <laughs> well, I mean, this literally just dropped from this morning's... Um, um, uh, CBS This Morning at 8.46 my time. <laughs> And it is now 9.38. So it's been less than an hour ago. So, um, and this is being reported on uh, Mac Rumors website. Hmm. See if Mac Daily News has anything about it. Um, Mac Daily News doesn't say anything about it. It just talks about Wells Fargo upping Apple's price target to $155. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I mean, apparently from the mouth of Tim Cook. Uh that that some, something something tomorrow. So, hmm. we'll see what it is. Well, I'm Any on guesses? Mac any, any Yeah. I don't even I don't even see that. Oh, Tim Cook speaks out. Is that what you're referring to? Uh it's it's titled CBS this morning Apple to make big yeah. announcement tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. I got you. Yeah, I see that little banner there now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it's I mean it's there's not a lot there. I mean, I basically oh. read to you what he actually said. I mean, there's some cruft about, you know, Gail King, you know, but uh yeah. And how she conducted the interview, but it was it basically the big thing. There's a click there. You can listen to the video, I guess, of it. I haven't done that yet because we're on the air or we're broadcasting. Yeah. So any ventures to guess what it is? It's not a, not a product. So that means it's a service? Or yeah. Well, that's a product, a, though, in a sense. That's, yeah. Or a change in, in – or an announcement about their philosophy made – we're going to tell you about tomorrow is very exciting. Something new and different. Something, a policy change? I mean, that doesn't seem like something that's, no. I guess it might be very exciting to him, but that wouldn't be terribly exciting to the rest of us. <laughs> you know, a policy change. But this, you know, by saying it's not a product, that, that 
you know, crosses off like air tags or Apple glasses or an Apple car or anything like well, that. Well, he, well, he, quietly under his breath, he said, yet. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. We're not going to tell you about a product. Yet. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, I mean, you... I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm. Hmm. Well, it'll, it'll come out soon enough. I don't know how exciting to him. Everything's exciting if he does it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. And yet he strikes me as a guy who doesn't ever get very excited. <laughs> He seems like he's about the most even-keeled CEO. You know, it's like, you know, it's it's very funny to hear somebody like Tim Cook go, "This is very exciting," and he yeah. he says completely unexcitedly. By, by, by the way, as I was looking at a, a fairly long list of things that are out at the CES, I couldn't help but keep in mind that, uh, especially when it said that they were using the uh, uh, Zios processor? No, that's not quite Zigma. I, I I can't remember what the other name is. There's what was the? There's another little processor that a lot of devices use because it's cheap and it came comes from the Far East, and uh -huh. they're building things around it just because they can make it cheap. Uh, and I thought to myself, oh, this this was a flat panel display and uh, computer all in one from somebody and uh, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I looked at that and I says given the knowledge that Apple has Apple silicon and everything that's coming why would anyone even contemplate some underpowered thing which I know that processor to be uh, you know it just especially if you're going to try to do any call it a real computer I mean the whole game has changed and I think that they were uh, probably embarrassed to even bring something like that out, given the, the world knowledge of what came before it. You know, Apple Apple has upset the cart, so to speak, for those people who want to put any real horsepower in any kind of processors. In in my mind, even uh, those big TVs, uh, they're powering those with some kind of special processors. But Tim Cook. Is going to upset their apple cart. Uh, is all he needs is one well, this big guy and put his silicon in it, and he's just going to blow them out of the out of the water. Well, you know, I mean, you... the the a lot of those those low power processors are using a um, uh, you know maybe it's a Qualcomm chip, but they're running the same microcode, um, uh, you know, as the um, as well. They're the, special. Uh, they're special purpose processors. You know, the, the, the arm stuff. Um, I mean, obviously. it's yeah, yeah. But so, but but I'm saying when you've got the kind of processing power that uh, can go with that, uh, you basically rule in the world from now on. I mean, watch out, guys. It's just a matter of time before I get into your business. I mean, that, that's got to be threatening to every display guy out there. Apple hasn't done a display ever yet. Uh, other than just a standalone where they're buying it from somebody else, well, they buy the manufactured product. They buy the panels. They build everything else about the display, that's, including the control that's, circuitry. That, that's right. But 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 I guess what I'm revealing to you is that it's my opinion that a lot of these panel displays with all these different kinds of features and stuff, 
are, are going to have some Apple silicon in them for very long. Do so you think Apple is going to start selling their silicone uh, or their chips to other people? I think they're going to manage oh. to keep that. I, 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 I don't think they see that as a goal. I think they might end up doing it to some extent, but I think that their their company DNA has always been um, we will develop our technology to do the things that we do better than everybody else does them, and we're not going to outsource that to somebody else. So if there's going to be um, competition to be had in that market, then Apple will sell, like like well, like their current uh, display. I mean, they sell a $6,000 display. Now, mm-hmm. they're not going to sell a lot of them, but but their $6,000 display also does things and does them at a quality level that, that your average you know, five hundred dollar display that you can go buy on your any any computer, or or hundred dollar display that you can buy for any computer, um, can't do. You know, and and they're fine with that. They'll say, you know, they're they're like, yep, we 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 do it better. We charge more, but we do it better. Um, but, you know, and I think but, that they may come out with something that's less expensive than that, but it's going to have an Apple name on it, and it's still not going to be cheap. Well. There's a in, in in a lot of these advanced televisions. I'm just saying they're going to be selling a lot of those things. Uh, I think uh, maybe maybe not in the quantities that uh, well that that definitely won't be in the same quantities as an iPad or something like that. But uh, I think that there's there's still quite a market for televisions amongst various people, and they'll mm-hmm. want their silicon in there because it's just part of the home. I, I think they're, they'll they'll uh, they'll say that you know th- th- they may negotiate to put an Apple name on it. That's fine. But but they're going to have displays, a big display somewhere. Maybe hmm. in business. Maybe I don't know how they'll make that entry. But but I think they can't ignore it. And that's just another component. But the driver for this and the uh, uh, the gotcha. For everybody who tries to compete with their display is nobody has the kind of technology yet and can't get it very fast that can do all the things theirs does. You know? And and so the, so me, what is it that's that, the new app that's the new Apple T V, which just got a display on it. You know? What Call is that. so what is it that having that that putting a display on it buys Apple? Why won't they just sell a new Apple TV that has the, the processor on it? What are, what is them putting a chip into my television set set going to do for me as a television set that they couldn't do by putting it in a Apple TV box and selling it to me? Well, uh, it it ties in several things that they've been working on for a long time. Number one is that with uh, uh, along with the glasses that they have. They can now work to have a, uh, a a real real 3D television very easily. Uh, working Marketplace the, the gla- rejected work- 3D. Well, that was because it wasn't done right. They haven't seen the Apple version, and artificial reality is going to have a play, be a player in the game. And mm-hmm. with everybody at home these days, and they're going to close stores down because. The, sit there and and do your shopping on your television is going to take over it's it, with your apple glasses storefront. and your apple display yeah forget the storefronts yeah you're you're going to enter into this artificial world uh and and let me tell you why i think they're doing this because it's the word is already out that facebook was trying to do this 
and it's a big thing. They were going to, Facebook was going to take and lead you into, uh, their, their research on this was some kind of town. I forgot what it was, the name of uh, some city. And you come into their city, and, man, you can just do everything. It, that you, you know, whatever story you can dream of, you can do it. Okay? So I'm, I'm thinking, saying think big. And, and it's a whole new world, a whole different way of doing things. And Apple's going to be a part of that, and they're going to be a big driver in it because they've got all the, the same technologies right. plus the hardware that the other guys don't have. You know, the Facebooks of the world are, are limited to the software. That's all they do. Right. Uh, at least now. And so I, I, I see what you're saying. I just I just don't know that I agree that Apple's going to go into the display world. I think that they're going to um, say buy our device and attach it to the, your display. And as long as your display meets certain cr uh, criteria in terms of refresh rate uh, and color reproduction, um, then we can use any display and you just buy the Apple TV to get that access because uh, the creating of screens is very much a commodity thing. There's very little money to be made there. And I don't see Apple saying that they can bring anything to, to creating a screen when they can take a box and attach it to the screen and then give you all of that same functionality through that box, which they already are doing. Well, uh, you know, the I mean, philosophy, we, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, you own the whole thing, and and you can do a better job of integrating it if you own the whole thing. There, yeah. Well, they, and, the and they very much may at some point say, hey, fine, you know, you can buy the Apple TV box and attach it to the TVs you've got, or you can buy the Apple TV from Apple with a screen on it, and that will then also give you some additional options, and, you know, you, you can do either, and... and and then eventually they'll hopefully, you know, dominate a, a big enough segment of that market. But I just I think that there's a, a problem with Apple. I think Apple will have a hard time pushing into televisions because televisions, the vast majority of televisions that are sold today are at the bottom end of the market. They always are. They always have been. Um, you know, at Christmas time, you could buy a 55 inch TV for 200 bucks. Uh, and that's a 4K HDR television set. You know, well, you go to 75 inches for five hundred dollars. And Apple's not going to make any money doing that. I mean, they sell a 30-inch monitor for $6,000. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to look that way. Well, Here's well, a thought well, on well, announcement for tomorrow, though, before we... Okay, go ahead. Let's okay. finish this topic before we switch gears. I, I, I was just going to say, using the word television is all wrong because that big display is not going to have any of the old... They're going to trash all of the over-the-air, the TV signal and all of that. It's all streaming, Okay. It's all digital, all streaming. You simplify that. That's going mm -hmm. to go. It's definitely going to go because that's the old way of doing things. Yeah, but and probably so not I in the version one because that's what most people still have. No, I, and well, but when you can get everything the other way, and then you can, you know. Some why, places. Why, why would you keep trying to sell old product into the homes? It's got to transition at some point. Yeah, but and, if you live in a so, city or near a city, you can get everything over the line, over the air, or uh, over an internet as streaming. But as you get further and further out from the cities, your you know internet is less and less fast and less and less reliable. You know, there's a lot of people living in small town America who are going, yeah, okay, but don't work for me. You know, well, the unless they're going to put up uh, direct to satellite internet connections, and you know, no, uh, there's you too know. much delay there. That's never going to work. Yeah. Well, it's fine for streaming. It's not good for interactive. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah. So, so um, I, I want well, to shift gears ahead. just a little bit. I just wanted to say uh, something that occurred to me is it's not a product. Maybe they're na- announcing a big acquisition. Maybe they're buying Tesla or they're buying MGM Studios has been up for sale. Um, that would give them a huge back ca- back catalog of things that they could then um, put onto their, their streaming service. Um, you know, uh, maybe there's some somebody out there that, you know, maybe they're merging with, they're going to buy Disney. You know, I say merging with, they're, they're not going to merge with anybody. They're going to buy whatever they want. Um, you know, I mean, it might be a large acquisition. Apple's not known for doing big acquisitions. And when they do small ones, they don't make an announcement. But if it was a really big one, like when they when they bought Beats for, you know, $1.3 billion, um, you know, they, they made an announcement and said, hey, we're, we're, we're spending a lot of money here. Um, so that could be something. And if yep. that was if that was the case, who do you think that they would be buying? I don't oh. think they'd buy Tesla. I don't think Elon Musk would sell. Uh, oh, Tesla's way overpriced now. Yeah. How about Hyundai? There's been some rumors leaking that they've been talking to Hyundai about possibly um, uh, uh, making yep. the Apple car. How about they yeah. just buy Hyundai? And, and, and Hyundai got their hands slapped for bringing announcing that early. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So so maybe that's what the announcement's going to be, that they kind of forced their hand. And he's just going to say, you know what, we were going to do a deal with them. And we just said it makes sense for us just to own the whole whole thing. Yeah. So well, Hyundai becomes that, the Apple car. Yeah, that, that's, that could be. They, they picked the right brand. I'm, I'm driving one of them. <laughs> yeah, they make they make great cars. Um, they are very technology forward. It, you know, I mean, you buy a basic Hyundai and it has basically all the fancy stuff that you pay extra for in your in your high, you know, your expensive um, European cars. All of that electronic functionality and capabilities comes in on a standard on a Hyundai. I mean, they've always been very tech forward as a company. Um, uh, they're also well, one of the companies that has um, uh, led the charge towards um, uh variety of different SUVs which are outselling sedans and and although they do still sell some sedans they have you know a full line of of uh SUVs from tiny ones up to big ones and and I like the fact that it it basically puts China on notice that hey we got some other guys over here in the far east that uh do good stuff and and uh and we'll have lots uh, of manufacturing facilities that can build things besides cars and and Hyundai, yep. you know, they you know they might be just buying the car division, um, but you know Hyundai also has like a, a heavy industries version too. They they sell lots of other things. They're they're a larger mm-hmm. corporation. In fact, Hyundai, um, I believe, is uh, fully owns Kia as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the same thing. I mean, the cars it's made, like the difference between a Chevy and a they, GMC truck. Yeah, they just put different labels on those. <laughs> yeah, different fascia and. Uh, yeah. Well, K- Kia was supposed to be the least expensive one, so they were yeah. designed it's, to sell. It's, a, it's the Chevy or, to Hyundai's GMC, right? Yeah, sort of like that. Yeah, although it's interesting. Um, I noticed uh, that uh, my daughter Jensen is, is looking at, has been looking at uh, a car for some time and think about different ones, and she found uh, the Kia Nero doesn't have an equivalent in the Hyundai line. Um, and that the Nero is all uh, hybrid. And so, um, you, you know, if you buy a Nero, that by default means you're buying a hybrid. Whereas Hyundai has a similarly sized car. I think it's the Kona, but they don't offer a hybrid or they just started offering a hybrid. The Kona is all gas powered. 
So if you want the hybrid, you buy the Kia. Uh, and it mm-hmm. gets like 48 miles to the gallon in this little SUV. If you spend a lot of time driving around, that's that's a, a major, major thing, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if it's going to be integrated with Apple and work with Apple stuff, the more I think about it, I'm talking myself into believing that that's the announcement. Is yeah, either they're going too, to announce? I, th- I I think it's high on the list. Got a good. Shot e- either they're going to announce a major partnership, or they're just buying Hyundai. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think you're onto something. It'd be interesting to see, oh. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah it would. See if I can see that somewhere else. Maybe we're getting a scoop here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Hyundai North American. They're building some of them in the U.S. too, so they've got factories here, which is always a plus, right? So you oh, don't yeah. have to ship oh, things yeah. around. Interesting. That's... Yeah, I'm convinced. That's it. We've solved it. We've solved the riddle. We'll see tomorrow if we were right. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. the Santa Fe Sport, right? I, I, yeah. I do. Anyway, yeah. I typed into my search engine Hyundai comma Apple, and it suggests Hyundai Apple Car. Of course, that's what the rumor was about. They've got articles on that, and Hyundai Apple Car Play, and then Car Play Download. So it's interesting what pops up just to, to, that connects the two companies. You know. Uh huh. So. Oh, interesting! I just saw something else that says that Hyundai uh, Hyundai stock prices are way up on reports that they're in in conversations with Apple to build a car, which may have been not an accident. Then they leaked it to push their value up so they get more for the company when Apple goes to buy them. Yeah, and they mm. already made the deal, right? <laughs> mm. uh. Sneaky, sneaky guys. Well, well, let me tell you the real reason. That uh, and and here it is. I knew it was going to come up. Uh, the EV battery. See, the real thing is a new technology announcement just recently about uh, Apple's battery technology as being revolutionary. Okay, and that's going to be the driver for whoever is successful in the EV market. If you really got a breakthrough there. And the breakthrough I'm talking about has to do with the ability to produce large numbers of them without being constrained to the rare earth uh, metals and stuff that uh, current technologies have. And it has to do, it starts with the design at the cellular level. And that's what Apple has done mm-hmm. with their small batteries. Okay? Yeah, the, the, the chemical the level. In fact, well, the, the apples tend to, all, the Apple iPhones always have smaller batteries than their competitors, and yet they get longer battery life. And a lot of people thought, yeah. "Oh, it's all just because you, you're 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 uh, controlling how the access to the power is," and and that's part of it. But yeah. you're right; part of it is the chemistry in the batteries. Yeah, and and how you can uh, what's the word uh, anyway to expand into the larger uh, power domain. Uh, there are a number of ways to do that, and it has to do with how do you interconnect them. And it's my understanding that that part of the process is what Apple has solved. They can scale from these small, tiny little batteries, like going to earphones almost, mm-hmm. and and scale them into enormous uh, storage mechanisms. Yeah. That was something that um, just recently um, uh, Tesla also had uh, an announcement about, where they... They have created tabless batteries that has to do with how the batteries interconnect, 
and that mm-hmm. those should go into production in the next 18 months and that that will significantly reduce the cost and increase the um, the uh, power capacity of, of these battery packs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know if Apple's, you know, design is tabless or what, what the, what the deal is, but uh, I'm just looking at a uh, thing here. It says, Apple's hoping to bring something new to the table with a battery design that will make electric car batteries cheaper and last longer. Uh, one yeah. person involved with the project described the battery technology as next level, and Apple's battery uh, focus on battery design makes a lot of sense given their work to improving batteries in their existing products. Um, and that we're seeing some of that technology now trickle down into Project Titan, which is their self-driving car uh, system. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's very interesting to, to, to think that that's the direction that they're going to. And that would also be very Tim Cook, right? To, to announce a technology that's not necessarily a product. Mm-hmm. Pause. Yet. <laughs> yeah, right. You know? Um, so that might be the announcement. It might not be, you know, hey, we're we're doing this deal with Hyundai or we decided to buy Hyundai or something like that. It might be. Um, yeah, just the battery technology. That, hey, we've, we've got this battery technology and... Uh, and, and they got it covered and, already on patents and everything, so they're protected and, gonna, and they're going to draw yeah. the uh, in, income from all of these other manufacturers who, in order yeah. to be competitive, have got to buy it from Apple. <laughs> right, and and that yeah. exactly, and that's the thing that Apple. That's a, that's a very although Apple's not usually a sell their products to other companies to put into your products kind of thing company. If you self announce something like this, you say, "Hey, it's such a, such a leap forward in technology that we couldn't keep it to ourselves. Um, that we've got to to make it available because it's going to make the world a better place. So mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do, right? Right. Um, that that sounds very Tim Cookie. Well. See, the other, there's another issue with electric cars that really may not have been treated well. And that has to do with the fact that uh, the charge time is, is enormous. And yeah. I, I think that if you mechanically also come up with a way of hattery, having battery cells that are already charged, and I drive into your station, and I can Swap now... Them. Spit, spit out your battery and plug mine in. That's instant fill, mm-hmm. almost. Well, you know, um, Tesla announced that, but then they never actually put it into uh, into uh, any practice. But they showed where, you know, you could go in, park your car, have a battery swapped in and out through a machine that would take... Um, in fact, they showed it uh, a video of it uh, alongside somebody who was filling up a gas tank, and they showed that you know they could do it in like thirty seconds less than you could fill a gas tank, have a full brand new battery pack in there and ready to go. And they'd yeah. indicated that you know it wouldn't be a free charge because you were basically you know paying to lease the battery, and you may be getting newer batteries than the ones you had. But I think something like that makes a lot of sense if you're going to use um, electric cars in the long run, and if you're making yeah. battery packs that are denser then the pack is smaller so it's easier to swap in and out and if you standardize that then it doesn't matter whose car you're buying it from right you just swap out your apple battery pack right yep so instead of coming into gas stations you come into battery stations yeah <laughs> right and they've got racks of of batteries being charged and ready to go so you can just grab a new one and keep on trucking yeah and as soon as you give them your uncharged battery it it goes into the back of the station where it starts to charge 
Yeah, so yeah. And in fact, you don't own the battery pack. You just pay a, a regular fee to lease the battery pack, right? And so that well, way, it, do, right. it doesn't matter that you traded in an old battery pack for a new battery pack because you're just paying a flat fee to, to have access to battery packs. That's right. And that and that's also fitting in, in Tim Cook's version of Apple where we just we create service fees. Right. Right. It's like we, we don't sell batteries. We lease them. Because right. you know, I I don't want to give you a two year battery when you've got a you know a one year battery in your car and have you getting upset that now your battery is not as good. You don't care because you're not buying a battery, right? You know, or maybe you pay a core fee up front for the first battery and then after that you're just swapping them out and paying a monthly fee to have access to powered up batteries. Yep, Todd, I think we got it. The, <laughs> the, new, the, the new electric source for vehicles, right? Yeah, and the problem with the the Tesla plan was is that the battery pack basically was the entire bottom of the car. Yes, yes. If you can That's... if you can make the if you can make the battery pack smaller and more dense, it's easier to swap it out, you know. But right. that's also just a design problem, right? Apple's really good at that. That's what they do. Designed yeah. by Apple in California. <laughs> yep. Well, stamped on everything. Even if you can't read it, by the way, you got to take that's a magnifying right. glass and barely No read kidding. It. Yeah, you know, because they, they stamp it on there in light gray on a white background in four-point type. Good yeah. luck. I, I'll tell you what, they're on my hearing aids, my uh, AirPods. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I tried my damnedest to get a photo of that. I finally did. I got the position right with the light right and stuff so that you uh-huh. can read it. But, man, it wasn't easy. Yeah. yeah, I do that, too. That's one of my, my favorite ways of trying to see something that's small. Is just uh, you know get a good clear photo of it with my phone and then zoom in on the photo so I can read what the heck yeah. it says. Cause I, I could only so that see it tough. well enough to know that it was there. That's all. I mean, my my vision is was only mm-hmm. good enough when I was looking at the AirPod to figure out that there's something there. I want to know but, what that is. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know that I've ever noticed it on my AirPods, and so now I'm gonna have to go back and look. Now I've seen it on the case, the the AirPod case on the back, but you're talking oh, about the yeah. AirPods themselves. The AirPods themselves. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to go look and see. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's it's so discreet that you you don't know it's there, right? But it's probably they're probably required to have a certain amount of labeling on it legally, and so they put it on there. Yeah. So it may have nothing to do with Hyundai, Todd. It may not. It may just be battery uh, announcement and and a technology for swapping batteries. Um, but it might be it. It might be, and we're going to put it into these new Hyundai's, uh, and and we're rolling out to other manufacturers soon. Yeah, much like CarPlay, yeah. right? Like CarPlay, right. Uh, they're going to call it uh, instead of CarPlay, it'll be Cargo. <laughs> Cargo, I like that. That's a good Cargo. Name. Yeah, <laughs> that's like your Energizer Bunny deal you worked on. Remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. I won a trip to Hawaii on that that uh, presentation. That could have called, been that. called Bunny Go, huh? <laughs> it was. It was. It was definitely Bunny Go. It was Todd Go. Yeah, that was uh, that was a a fun time. I enjoyed that time, and yeah. that uh, and not just the trip. I'm saying the 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 meeting that I was at. And um, for those who don't, we're alluding to a story. I um, uh, got hired by a marketing company to be their IT person, their their director of IT. Uh, I don't know. 
when it was, but it was, you know, a couple decades ago, <laughs> or at least, yeah. at least two decades ago, a decade and a half ago, something like that. Anyhow, they were having a retreat for all of their executives. And even though I wasn't a marketing person, I was an executive. So I went with them on their retreat. And this is maybe, I've been with the company maybe a month or so. Um, and everybody was told you would, uh, that they would do a 90 minute or 90 second rather, uh, quick presentation on a marketing, pr- uh, pl- uh, plan that had been executed somewhere in the world in the last year and uh and that each that that the audience everybody else who was there would score each other on a on a sheet and you would score somebody one to ten on originality on presentation on effectiveness of the marketing plan etc and so uh, i decided i was going to do my presentation on the marketing of the energizer bunny and so i sat with you and your um i i uh, you had a, a electric keyboard, electronic keyboard, and we got a nice drum sound, and we recorded 90 seconds of thum, 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 thum. <laughs> um, and then uh, I brought right. Well, then I bar- I borrowed your. Um, you had a Bose. Um, what's the What's the name of that speaker? Uh, it's basically I, I a Bose boombox, and and yeah. and it's and you can crank the thing up to where it's basically like a uh, like a, a PA. I mean, it was we had it loud in this in this auditorium, so I, I turned it on in my seat as I walked up to the podium. There's a thum thum thum, and I got up there and I said, "You all know the high priced spokes model," and I put on dark glasses and then I talked a little bit more about it and then put on the little pink bunny ears, and I said, "It's the marketing campaign that keeps going and going and going." And then I put everything back in the paper sack and walked down to my chair and sat down. And I never forget as I'm walking back by, to my chair, the uh, the CEO of the company goes, "And that's our tech guy." <laughs> and so anyway, I ended up I ended up winning uh, four free days in Hawaii on the company as a result of everybody saying that mine was the best presentation of the best marketing campaign executed that year. And I am forever grateful to the fine folks for sending me to Hawaii for my anniversary and had a great time. Well, that was and, fun. And thank you for your help. <laughs> yeah. Great fun. Yeah. yeah, it was very cool, and it was uh, uh, kind of an audacious thing to do for somebody who had just joined the company and, you know, a bunch of marketers, and I'm not a marketer. Uh, and yet it was like, well, you know, get to put on a presentation, make it one they're going to remember. Otherwise, why why are we here? Right. So, um, get their attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting place, interesting time. Well, Todd, I think I'm getting to my usual state of hunger. <laughs> That's our <laughs> limit on this show, right? It's like, okay, when you start hearing that sound in the background, that, that's telling you that your stomach is, is fighting back. So, uh, well, as, you um, were, as you were making that sound, whoomph, whoomph, whoomph. Uh, yeah go 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 you know (laughs) (laughs) all right well thank you all for joining us we uh hope to see you again next week next week we should be back on our monday recording time schedule uh so um this week we uh, wait a minute oh Uh, no we won't it seems like everything we're scheduling now comes on a monday oh okay so we'll just (laughs) well we'll just stick with tuesdays for a while not not intentionally, Todd. I didn't. I, I'm always aware that we're doing this, but I yeah. can't. There's my calendar. Uh, I was just going to confirm next week on Monday. Uh, that's Martin Luther King Day, and I'm probably mm-hmm. okay there. So yeah, m- next Monday's okay. Okay. But that but that's because well, if it's easier for you too, we can just shift this to Tuesdays regularly. That's not a problem for me. 
because, um, okay. you know, Mondays are usually the third day in a three-day weekend and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I'm fine, Easy, oh, whichever that, way you want to do sorry. it. I'm sorry. Is that the 18th next Monday? Yeah. Next Monday is the 18th. Well, Tuesday is definitely bad because that's the day okay. I'm getting my, my, my vaccine. So ah. Monday seems to be okay on the Okay, 18th. we'll do it Monday. Many happy it, vaccinations for you then. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this. We can talk more about about, uh, logistics offline, but let's go ahead and wrap up the show then. So thanks for joining us. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.